Do you ever wake up full of worries, feeling far from the Lord? Pastor Andrew Brunson spent two years in Turkish prisons, and he often felt those same things. He says he woke up with fear and with grief and with anxiety, and I'd begin to fight. Okay, God, I want to embrace my assignment. If my assignment is to be in prison now, give me the endurance, help me to persevere. And I would fight for this throughout the day with various things. One of them was dancing. There were other things that I did as well. Until by the end of the day, into the evening, I'd usually reach a point where I had surrendered. And that would bring me into the deepest level of peace that I experienced in prison. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. It's probably safe to say today that the coronavirus pandemic and the economic downturn has affected everyone who's hearing my voice in some way. As so many are dealing with grief and all of us are walking through unknowns, it's easy to fall into worry or fear or anger. Today we're going to get some valuable perspective from Andrew and Noreen Brunson. Pastor Brunson spent two years imprisoned in Turkey where he had been working for two decades in the name of Christ. As we're about to hear, he went through the same kinds of emotions that many of us are going through right now. We're about to discover how he chose to worship when he wanted to fall into despair. I know this story is going to help you if you're feeling discouraged about world events or just struggles in your own life and home. The Brunsons lived in Turkey for more than 20 years where Andrew was a pastor. On October 7, 2016, they went to the local police department thinking that they were about to receive their long-term residency permits. Instead, they were taken into custody and accused of aiding a terrorist organization. Noreen was released 12 days later, but Andrew spent the next two years in prison. Pastor Brunson had always expected he would display incredible faith in God if he ever faced persecution like this. So from reading biographies and hearing testimonies of people who suffered persecution, I had uh, an expectation that I would have a real sense of joy, even in the midst of grief, that I would have a sense of strength, of spiritual power, that I would sense God's presence and feel grace, just a, a supernatural, just an overwhelming sense of grace. And this did not happen to me. I actually uh, experienced a period of silence from God and a feeling of being abandoned by God. Now, he didn't abandon me, but the sense of his presence I had often enjoyed because I had run after his presence for many years, that was completely removed from me. And so I was shocked. And this actually, along with some other things, took me into spiritual crisis. I was concerned about 
you know, disappearing into the system, not seeing my kids again. And we hadn't been able to let them know. I mm-hmm. knew they were worried. We're suddenly thrust into this ride that we don't know where we're being taken. And only God knows. And we have to say, okay, Lord, I can't do anything to reach my kids. You're going to have to hold them. When you were released after 13 days, you actually asked to stay. Why did you ask? We were afraid of being separated from each other and then just not knowing then. Uh, So that was one thing we had really been desperate to stay together. Um, I knew that Andrew didn't want to be alone. He had just brought it up the night before. And uh, I knew this was one of his fears. And, you know, on one hand, of course, I don't want to stay. uh, But whatever happens, let it be to us together. Uh, I remember when I was first put into high security prison, and it was a shock to me because I really thought that I was going to be released. And I felt very abandoned by God, that he had turned me over to Satan as he did Job, and I felt betrayed. And I yelled at him. I couldn't yell out loud, but just inside, I'm yelling at him, why are you so silent? And I might as well talk to this wall. This is Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I'm Todd Nettleton. Pastor Andrew and Noreen Brunson are sharing their story this week. Andrew was held for two years in a Turkish prison. Noreen was his only visitor. I I know this discussion is an encouragement for any listener who is walking through a dark valley today. To hear longer versions of these interviews, visit our website, vomradio.net slash Brunson. Again, that web address, vomradio.net slash Brunson, B-R-U-N-S-O-N. The impression I have is that Noreen is kind of the hero of the story, other than God, obviously, being the ultimate hero. But do you agree with that? I mean, how how important was it that she was supporting you and coming to visit you and speaking blessing over you? It was the means God used to keep me going. I like to think that if she hadn't been there, God would have done something, but I don't know what that would have been. (laughs) So she stayed at personal risk to herself. Uh, A number of people told her, a number of of, uh, leaders we respect told her that she should leave Turkey, and there was risk to her that they would arrest her again, that they would put her in prison. Your daughter got married. Uh, Your father passed away. You were in Turkey, and you didn't feel like you could leave. Talk a little bit about that. How, How hard was that to not be able to be at some of those things? But then also, why didn't you think I could go to the U.S. and then come back? I was concerned that if I left the country, they might not let me back in. However, in December, coming up to December 2017, my daughter was graduating from college. And, uh, you know, it was close to Christmas. And I thought, okay, you know, should I try to go for 10 days and just quickly see uh, each one of the kids just very briefly and, and only miss one prison visit kind of thing? I was just trying to think how I could do this. There was just that I, I, I didn't take the chance. Mm-hmm. I didn't go. I so s- how hard were it those was, days it when was you hard. know? You know, I, I, I love the story of Mary 
at Jesus' feet. And I said, you know, pouring out something very precious. And I love that. And I've said, Lord, I want to, that's what I, I want to do that for you. And then I realized, oh, I'm pouring out you something very precious. That. And, you know, in the, in the light of eternity, it's not a big deal to miss your child's college graduation. But since there hadn't been a high school graduation because, you know, they were homeschooled and it was just, it was a big deal. And uh, I said, you know, as I watched the days get closer and there was no release and it just wasn't happening. And I said, you know, I, I'm going to miss it. I can be angry about it and hurt. And I was hurt. Or I can offer this, give this as an offering to the Lord. And so, you know, I watched the graduation live. I'm crying. I, um, I got on my knees and put my face to the ground and said, this is my sacrifice, Lord. I'm giving this to you. But it it wasn't I wasn't filled with joy. A, I was really sad. Sacrifice. It was very painful. Yeah, it was very painful. She was my pastor, you could say. She would speak truth to me, encourage me, and give me the right perspective. You know, Lord, for better or for worse, I'm going in now. You know, anoint me, give me something to give to him. And and I would come out not knowing many times if I had been able to mm -hmm. encourage him sufficiently or not. But you know, you do you you ask the Lord to help, and you just do the best you can. And sometimes she had to correct and rebuke. She, I mean, she would say, "Andrew, that is wrong. Don't say that, and speak truth to me." You literally gave him a script. When you're tempted to this, when you're feeling this way, here's what you need to say, Andrew. And yeah. and he would literally repeat what you had said. Yes, like, I choose life. I choose life. Or, yeah. Yes. Or Andrew in Christ chooses life. And this was so important because I was so isolated and so confused sometimes. She just kept speaking to me the truth. I had so much anxiety. I felt at times such a sense of dislocation and there were times when I was wondering what is real and what isn't real. And I could feel myself just slip over a barrier. Slip over it. I'm going over into a place that I know is, is insanity. And feeling it, feeling myself go over the edge and just pulling myself back. Uh, there were probably a couple times when he said that he, he had felt that he had come to the edge and kind of looked over. And, of course, that's very heavy to hear. There's no question. That's very scary. And I was afraid that with all my doubts, questions, fears, and the constant pressure from uh, Islam, that in some way I would end up failing in my walk with God and turn away. I didn't want to turn away. I, I was you know, just desperately embracing him. But in that fear, that combination of thinking that I'm uh, losing my mind, that I may lose it, and that I, and I may just end up falling from my relationship with God, that is what led me to especially deal with uh, suicidal thoughts. We're listening to the story of Pastor Andrew and Noreen Brunson here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. For two very difficult years, Andrew was imprisoned in Turkey, and Noreen was the only one who could visit him. 
You can hear longer versions of these stories at vomradio.net slash Brunson, B-R-U-N-S-O-N. You can listen to two full episodes of Conversation with Andrew, one episode with Noreen. Again, that web address, vomradio.net slash Brunson. I made a decision. I am going to fight for my relationship with God. And from that, I began to take a number of steps, uh, especially in my second year in prison, that were acts of obedience, discipline, and acts of the will to run after God. And I remember the first letter where he wrote, I am willing to be made willing. And I said, that's enough. That's a, what a victory, you know. I made a decision and I, I declared it to God. I said, whatever you do or don't do, I will follow you. And what I was saying in this is, whatever you do for me or you don't do, that because there are things he was not doing. And I said, if you don't give me your presence, I will follow you. If you don't speak to me, if you remain silent, I will still follow you. If you don't rescue me, I will follow you. I am going to hang on. Now, however much determination I have, it's still pretty weak. Even at my strongest point, uh, it's still pretty weak. But God looks at that, and it's so valuable to him. And that's why I call that process cooperating with grace. I was giving my feeble response saying, I'm going to go after you. And God was, yes, and just pouring the grace and that I couldn't feel, but that was enabling me to persevere and run after him. I read, and Richard Wurmbrandt talked about how he was in isolation uh, cell, and he remembered verses from Luke where Jesus said, blessed, and I'm going to quote them from Matthew, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things about you. Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they treated the prophets who came before you. And this is a command that when I'm persecuted, I'm supposed to rejoice. I'm supposed to be exceedingly glad. And so I, I determined that I would do what Wurmbrandt had done and do it as a discipline, not out of any feelings, because I didn't feel any happiness or gladness or joy. But I said, this is a matter of obeying uh, the words of Jesus. And having that perspective. And so I began every day to set aside five minutes. And I would, I would start out by saying, I repent that I have not been joyful because you commanded me to be joyful. I'm sorry. I repent. Please forgive me. And now I am going to perform an act of joy. I don't feel it, but look at my action. And this is a step of obedience with my will to say, I am going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad before you in these terrible circumstances. I'm separated from my wife and children. I don't know the future of what's going to happen to me. And, and I'm, I'm isolated in prison, but I'm going to rejoice. And then I would begin to dance and I would hop around. It's not a very wonderful, you know, a, a great dance, but I would hop around. I would leap. I would, I would dance before God every day as a discipline. There's a point in your book where you tell the story that uh, after the trial began, you were feeling frustrated, you were feeling anxiety, you were feeling frustration, but when you opened your mouth, what came out was, I love you, Jesus. 
not I'm mad at you, not why did you let this happen, but I love you, Jesus. Why was that such a significant turning point? Well, it was a very low point for me. So I had been pressing into God for months, and I was knocked down again. I was sent back to my old prison where I had, I had experienced a lot of trauma. The trial had started clearly. It was a kangaroo court, and, and I, it, that was very clear to me. I was put in an isolation cell, and I was just broken again. Now I wasn't accusing God like I did at the beginning. Now I was saying, oh, Lord, why, why did you let this happen? Why have you let them bring me back to this place where I was so broken before? Where are you? Because he's still silent. Why are you so silent? And I'm weeping. I'm weeping in my solitary confinement cell in this high security, very intense traumatic prison. And what comes out, even in my weeping, I, I hear myself saying, it surprised me. I hear myself <laughs> saying, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And the thought that came to my mind right on the heels of this is, wait, it's like a sudden realization, wait, this is my victory. This is a victory. I didn't plan it, this is, but this is a victory. Because at this very low point, what was really in my heart was coming out. This is why I say I don't want my story to be one of just brokenness and prison and darkness. Someone said to me later as I was explaining this silence of God, the, the difficulty I had with this, said to me, you know, Andrew, maybe God gave you, God gave you a gift that he showed you your heart. God knew that I would make it through. I didn't. Love can be completely sincere and real. And yet, if it hasn't been tested, then it's not proven love. And I think that what happened here, what God gave to me as a gift, said, Andrew, your love has been tested. It's been through the fire. And it's, it's true and sincere. It's real. Like it was before as well. But now it's been through the fire. And now it's a proven love. Uh, kind of like uh, soldiers who uh, they can train for years. But then when they're, they've gone into battle, there's a different quality to them. And so I think this is what God often does in our testing. He allows us to go into difficulties and testing, and as a sense, it proves what he already knows but we don't know about ourselves, that yes, there is a commitment, there is a devotion, there is something very real and genuine in me that, that embraces God. And it's weak, but, but to God it's so beautiful. And this was such a gift to me because I talk about this period of God's silence. And it, was, it really tested my intimacy with him. But I came out of it with a deeper intimacy. In one of your statements to the court in Turkey, you said you know, that you had had the privilege to suffer for Christ. How did you make the switch from boy, God has abandoned me here, Why, how could this go on, to I have had the privilege to suffer for Christ? 
That was in my third trial session, and I had been very frustrated when uh, the ridiculous charges, the uh, the judges obviously were not interested in truth. They were not allowing our witnesses to testify. And I finally decided, okay, in this session, I'm just here to present my faith. And I've been presenting it all along. I said, this is my goal, to forgive those who have been false witnesses and do this publicly. And also to frame the context for what I was going through and say, whatever you've accused me of, the real reason I'm going through this is because of my commitment to Jesus Christ. And so I declared those verses that I've repeated and that I danced to every day my second year in prison. You know, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you, all those things. And I said, blessed am I because I am in prison. Blessed am I because you have separated me from my wife and children. Blessed am I. And I went through the list of things I had suffered. I declared, I know that I'm suffering this for Jesus Christ and blessed am I. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Andrew Brunson. He's the author of a brand new book, God's Hostage. You can get a link to order a copy at vomradio.net. Uh, Andrew, towards the end of the book, you, you write about a letter that you wrote to Noreen from prison where you basically reflected on, on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and saying in the letter, I want to drink my cup of suffering right down to the dregs. I want to drink every drop that God has for me to drink. The interesting and amazing thing is the next day you're released from prison to house arrest. Do you, what do you think about the timing of that? That, that on this night you're coming to that point of just complete surrender. Lord, I will drink whatever you have from the cup of suffering. And the following day you're released to house arrest. The timing of the letter is why it's so significant for me, because I had just finished my third trial session, and they sent me back to prison for another three months, until, the, and we were very discouraged. And actually, there had been an agreement to release me that had fallen apart. So I, I just thought, I don't know how long I'm going to be in prison. I had lost a lot of hope. Then I was reading in John, John chapter 18, and this verse just plunged into my heart where Peter is saying, no, no, you don't, shouldn't go to the cross. And Jesus said, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? And it's a rhetorical question. The obvious answer is yes, but I don't want to drink the cup. <laughs> I say, oh, Jesus, I've been drinking this cup for so long for myself. How long will I continue on? But help me, I want to drink this cup down to the dregs. I want the fullness of whatever you have planned for me. I don't want to miss out on any of your plans for me. And so it was a point of surrender. I was also struggling. I was like, oh no, how long do I have to drink it? But this is what my heart says. This is what Andrew and Christ says. This is what I say with my will. And I wrote that letter. I gave it to the guard the next morning uh, uh, at roll call to post to Noreen. And then that afternoon, suddenly, I'm released to house arrest. The house arrest was also very stressful. There were protests and calls to put me back in prison, and we didn't know what would happen. Uh, but I thought, wait, I ended the prison time, not knowing when I would be released. Right. So this is just completely independent from what the result would be. But in that moment, I was saying, this is proof that, yes, I was surrendering to you. 
And this is why it was so precious. Before I left the prison, I said, give me that letter back. I need to keep this as proof and say, yes, this is where my heart was a day before I was released to house arrest and had no idea if I'd ever get out of prison. That's Pastor Andrew Brunson. He and his wife, Noreen, have been telling us about the two years Andrew spent in Turkish prisons because of their faith in Christ, because of their ministry in Turkey for two decades. The Brunsons have so much more to share about the temptation to despair when things go wrong, when it feels like God is silent. And they have a lot to share about the victory that can come when we make the conscious decision, the choice to worship in the middle of the darkest struggle. To hear longer versions of these conversations, you can visit our website, vomradio.net slash Brunson. Uh, again, that's vomradio.net slash Brunson, B-R-U-N-S-O-N. I hope you'll be back with us next week here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're going to make a visit to Africa, and we'll hear how God is working in Nigeria and other nations there. I know you'll be encouraged by that, so please join us next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.